At Insperity, it's not just HR outsourcing. It's HR that makes a difference. Their comprehensive, scalable HR solutions offer an optimal blend of service and technology to facilitate growth by streamlining processes related to payroll, benefits, talent management, and HR compliance. They provide the tools to help you lighten your administrative load, maximize productivity, and manage risks so you can focus on growth because that's what it means to have a true HR partner. For more information, click on the link in this episode's show notes. Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. How organizations recruit and retain their top talent has never been more of a hot-button issue, especially in finance and accounting. Whether it's a decline in qualified graduates or a no-holds-barred war for existing talent, how to incentivize and manage your workforce is going through a generational shift that requires pulling many different levers. In this sponsored episode of the podcast, we speak with Jill Silman Chapman, Director of Early Talent Programs at Insperity, about these issues and how to recruit and retain the next generation of talent. So I, I want to thank you for joining us today, uh, talking about um, what's going on with the workforce, the, the war for talent. These are obviously things that our members and our listeners are dealing with on a regular basis. So, um, Ms. Chapman, I wanted to start off a little bit about yourself and, and what your role is at Insperity. Sure. So I'm Jill Chapman. I'm the director of early talent programs for Insperity. And this is a group that we stood up uh, just a, a few months ago, uh, actually. So I've been involved in working with our college to career, uh, our people with zero to three years work experience coming into the organization. It's really the future of our company. And, and with all of the, the plans for expansion and growth that we're that we're seeing with Insperity, it's really the ticket to our future. So we work with our internship programs, our high school internships, our college internships, and with others who are joining the firm uh, as their first entry into the business world, if you will. And I come to this position with a, a long background in recruiting and workforce management. So um, some of these things that we're seeing now it's not the first time we've seen them, right? Some of the things that are going on in the marketplace. And so I think that that maybe lends to some opportunity to have these kind of conversations because we've been there before. Uh, that's uh, certainly good to hear because I know a lot of our members and all of our listeners are really struggling with this issue, especially in the accounting and, and uh, finance industry where there's a real uh, discussion regarding the pipeline and, and new talent coming in. <laughs> So um, maybe we'll start for that. So there, there's a great deal of discussion, um, you know, uh, regarding the global talent shortage, especially in accounting and finance. What are you seeing in the marketplace and, and how is that impacting organizations? Right. So, you know, a lot of my view is into uh, the U.S. operations. You know, what is what's happening across the U.S.? So, you know, recent reports have shown that uh, our job numbers are higher than we had predicted um, uh, or that economists have predicted. And so there is job growth going on right now. But 
our unemployment rate is also rising. Um, and um, what we're seeing is that the unemployment right now are from people who have lost their jobs permanently, uh, those who maybe were on a temporary assignment that has been completed. And, um, and there are just very, very few industries in the U.S., that are driving any increase in in hiring right now. Um, those happen to be you know, professional and business services, healthcare, construction, transportation, warehousing. Those are some of the industries that are um, um, that are starting to maybe look to add some more to their coffers. But on a global perspective, um, I think that um, the global talent shortages. I read a report where. Uh, we reached a 16-year high just a few months ago. And what organizations are saying around the, the world is they just can't find the talent that they need that has the right blend of technical skills and soft skills, right? Um, and as our businesses continue to grow, evolve, and change, that skills gap is predicted to only widen over time unless we can begin to think about upskilling and reskilling um, the folks that are in our midst right now and those that we want to bring into the, into the fold. Uh, so. Yeah, those, those, this certainly makes sense. What, maybe we can get a little more specific, you know, when you talk about soft skills and hard skills, what are the particular skills that companies are finding the hardest to recruit and retain? Right. So uh, probably if you ask me that question, a lot of the things that I jump to immediately are anecdotal situations, mm -hmm. but I know that LinkedIn did it a study not too long ago, looking at the marketplace globally, um, looking at those skills that were most sought after by employers, hirers, and job posters uh, on LinkedIn. And they found that there were 10 uh, in-demand skills where employers are going to face the, the strongest competition in 2023, um, which underpins the idea that if we can focus on professional development programs in some of these areas, we may be able to benefit our organizations uh, in in large ways, but among those uh, those skills that they had identified, some of them are very very generic. I, I think mm. and they would cross all sorts of industries. First one being management, right? Effective <laughs> management. Look for that person who can drive employee engagement, productivity, retention. All those sorts of things which seem to have suffered in the most recent years. So I think management at the top spot of their list, I don't think that's a surprise at all because, again, you need those across all job functions. Um, and, you know, whether we're talking about business or sales or engineering or, you know, project management, marketing, recruiting, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, effective management is, is needed everywhere. And then another one that made the list was um, communication. And... I think it has everything to do with the fact that we are operating in still a very remote environment, right? And that adoption of the remote work has really made communication skills more important than ever, right? Um, whether your employees are working asynchronously or communicating virtually, but they've got to be able to clearly communicate both in person and across uh, you know, a number of channels, email, instant messaging, project management software, video, uh, that's going to be pertinent to our continued growth and acceleration um, as organizations. And then customer service skills are still on the list because really another one that's on the list too is sales. And I kind of see these going hand in hand because almost all of us 
are a representative of the brand of our organization, right? And um, and so while sales skills, they're used everywhere from the CEO trying to get investors um, uh, you know, into the organization and recruiters selling job opportunities and that sort of thing. So sales isn't just, you know, for the, the sales part of the organization. Those skills are used, you know, a, a, across a wide variety of job functions for very different reasons. And customer service as well, because so many of our folks have some impact with uh, or opportunities to face customers at some point along the value chain of our organization. And I have this statistic. I just heard somebody talk yesterday and he said, you know, 98% of all statistics are made up, but I actually <laughs> did see this. Um, but uh, 90% of buyers, this was a, a, a survey that was done to say that the customer service experience that a company provides matters just as much as your products or services. So that importance of customer service extends to any employee who's going to have contact with a customer, billing specialists, support technicians, the actual customer service department. Um, so having a team with exceptional customer service skills is going to build loyalty um, and really help organizations to earn repeat business and, and drive sustained growth. And these are some of the areas that we really need and some of the areas that are, are difficult for us to find. You know, um, there's a lot of conversation, too, around more modern leadership, if you will, um, because of the rapid change of our organizations. Uh, we need somebody who can help us to adapt to that, right? And so having effective leadership skills are essential for adopting to new challenges, adopting to new opportunities, helping your people to perform to their best, uh, fostering innovation, right? Um, so that we can stay relevant as organizations. So these are some of the skills that um, are in high demand. And those that if we can't go out and find those, we might want to to begin to build some of those into um, our current staff. A couple of other things that uh, made their list was project management, researching skills, Again, strong researching skills because of that rapidly changing business environment so that we can make better informed decisions. Um, we can uh, be more accurate in developing our strategies for the future. So, you know, whether that's market trending or buyer behavior or understanding new technologies, right? And, and doing the research for that. And if you do the research, then you got to have analytical skills, right? Right, because right. you got to be able to understand what it is that... Uh, that you're finding and, and what's relevant and, and pertinent, what's what's not. So those are some of the generic skills that are in high demand. Um, but when we break it down and look at finance and accounting specifically, okay, clearly management, communication, mm -hmm. those things, the analytical skills, but having that financial acumen um, really rank high in the, the finance and, and accounting roles because, right, like we're looking at 2023 and financial teams, they got to get creative. They got to get a little right. scrappy, right? Because we've got limited budgets. And, and so we're really looking for those people who can prove out that they can do more with less, right? Um, those are the people in, in most demand. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that comes to my, my mind is where do you think the breakdown is? Um, you know, it would seem there's always been it seems there, there's an acute sort of, especially in some of the softer skills we talked about, like communication mm -hmm. and management. Where do you think the breakdown is in in uh, filling that pipeline? 
Right. And and I could get extremely philosophical here mm. and I could do about the impact of social media and mm. how we are raising the next generation and, and what we're asking them to do, um, um, you know, as school projects and things like that. Some of the work work samples that they might be able to get uh, and give. One thing that I've noticed in our, my work with college campuses is uh, as I sit on advisory councils and, and teams like that that are opining into curriculum and opining into you know what this business school or that business school might be doing, what I'm hearing from my cohorts is that, hey, love the work ethic that's coming out with, with and the drive to succeed with some of these students, but I would be terrified to have them sitting next to my best customer for three hours on an airplane, mm. right? Um, because that ability to communicate, to have those one-on-one conversations, to look people in the eye uh, and and uh, have difficult conversations if need be. Um, we're missing that. And, mm. and so it's going to fall on us as employers, I think, to try to help encourage uh, those, those skill building opportunities. So let's say you're an employer and you luck out mm-hmm. and you have somebody um, who is, you know, high, talented, uh, a great value. How do you, re- what are some of the strategies for retaining the, those, those valuable and high performing people? Sure. Well, you know, I, I often get asked a very similar question and my, my reply is generally you do the same things you did to get them there in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Because we're constantly re-recruiting our internal employees. Um, every day they have a choice to make, right? Um, are they going to stay with us or are they going to go somewhere else? So keeping that employer uh, brand, that value proposition front and center for everyone within your organization, I think is 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 very important. There are some basics, you know, that the competitive compensation and benefits, um, being able to provide development opportunities. You know, all of us want to grow, be better tomorrow than we were yesterday. That's just something that's generally inherent in most employees. And so being able to provide those kind of opportunities, leverage those um, so that you can build a more nimble workforce. So it's helping you and helping the individual, um, showing those those paths, a clear path for growth and an opportunity within the organization. You know, it, break, it would break my heart if somebody left our organization to go across the street for an opportunity that we had in-house, but mm. they had no sight um, uh, to that opportunity. And so having those clear paths and, and um, opportunities for internal mobility are very, very important. You know, and just basic recognition and appreciation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think sometimes a simple thank you can go a very long way. But being able to acknowledge and appreciate the achievements of, of particularly your high performers. Uh, and, and you know, that looks different for different kinds of people, whether it's public uh, accolades or just a simple thank you note. Um, but but creating that culture of appreciation where people understand that their contributions are valued and would be acknowledged by both their peers as well as their managers, I think can go uh, a long way. You know, I mentioned something about compensation and kind of almost in this, the, the other side to that uh, in today's marketplace is having that work-life balance, right? Mm-hmm. And some of that flexibility. I think that's becoming a, uh, a standard 
is that folks are going to want to have some agency over how and when they're performing their work. So whether it's from their home office or uh, while they're on the road traveling or, or into the office, they, they want to have some say. I'm not saying that everybody's dug in and saying that they're not coming back to the office um, ever, but but to allow people to have some say, some choice in, in that matter can go um, a very long way. I think, you know, we talked about career opportunities and that goes hand in hand with being able to provide development or learning opportunities for your folks, um, being able to enhance the skills that they already come with, um, the knowledge that a high performer already comes with, but helping them to get better on a day after day. No, and then I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it goes back to, to I think, the supportive leadership. And that, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat that drum um, <laughs> uh, all day, every day, is how important leadership is to bringing people into the organization and keeping them there, right? That strong leadership support, offering that mentorship, even um, to, your, to your high performers, being available for regular feedback, for coaching sessions, ways to help them to succeed. If you can demonstrate that to your high performers, they'll they'll stay with you because that's what they're that's that they want somebody. We're asking them to invest in us. Mm. So we need to be willing to invest in them, right? And they want to be able to see that needs to be palpable. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know mentorship is a big deal. Do you see a lot of organizations focusing on mentorship right now? And and is there, you know, how would you describe the appetite for those sort of things? Well, I think that there is a huge appetite on the part of the employee. People are hungry for this. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when we, we were just talking about bringing the early talent into an organization, especially our early, early talent folks. Um, you know, think about it. They've been able to access their coaches, their teachers, their principals, their preachers, their parents um, all along the way for advice and opinions into the decisions that they're making as they move through life. So why on earth would they expect that that would stop once they get to school? I mean, get to work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because it, it's been it's been such a part of their life. So as we bring in these newer generations into our workforce, appetite is certainly there. I read something, uh, uh, this is a while back, but <clears throat> I think for those of us maybe on the latter end of our careers, you know, feedback, we may want to roll our eyes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I allowed them to come back to work today. Like <laughs> they, they did an okay job yesterday. Why am I having to talk so much? Um, but feedback doesn't have to be this big, hairy deal. You know, right. Feedback can just be the the ebb and flow of conversation, but being available to our people for that conversation is critically important. So we saw that a lot in the, um, the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Where when we had to go online, we had managers that fell into two camps. We had the uh, micromanager pinging our people every three minutes to see what they're doing or if they're, you know, if they're, they're Skype color turned from yellow, you know, from green to yellow or something like that. Then we started to worry, what are they doing? Why aren't they online? Why aren't they taking care of business? And then we had another camp full of missing in action managers. Right. They were probably that way when we were in the office, <laughs> but maybe for whatever reasons, it was a less, it was less obvious. Maybe I knew that my boss was down the hall in his room with the door closed and I could maybe go knock on the door. Maybe I didn't, but I knew kind of where he was sitting. Right. Now I can't find him at all um, and have no opportunity to, uh, you know, to make sure that I'm, I'm 
going the right direction. I'm doing what I need to be doing um, to benefit both me and the organization. So that that feedback and regular communication is critical. One of the things I wanted to tease out a little bit was uh, give you a little perspective. You know, FAI members, they deal in the finance suite. They're, they they mm-hmm. have backgrounds in accounting. These are very like especially, you know, specialized skills that are, you know, historically difficult to attract and retain. You know, what what are the strategies for developing, you know, specifically a highly skilled work, workforce? Right, right, right. I, I think... You know, it's really a combination of strategies, and I don't think it's unlike those that we've already been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, you got to tailor these to, you know, your specific needs and, and the evolving expectations of accounting professionals. But um, if you want to attract, if you want to retain, if you want to nurture that talent, none of it's rocket science. Mm-hmm. And some of these ideas are easier to implement than others. But, um, but I would consider... You know, looking at your recruitment and retention initiatives, making sure that you're doing some things that are very targeted and specific to attract those qualified accounting professionals. Talk to the best among your group. How did they get here? What was it that was compelling to them? What kind of messaging was out there and 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 delivered in what kind of channels to bring those into the organization and duplicate that, replicate that um, to be able to reach out to other uh, like-minded individuals. So really looking at your recruitment and then your retention initiatives that you have. Do they speak to the people? So talking to your high-performing accounting professionals, how did they get here? Why do they stay? And asking for their advice and counsel into some of that and could provide incredible insight. Um, goes without saying the competitive compensation. I told you I'm going to keep beating some <laughs> some drums um, over and over again. But that competitive compensation, um, the whole total rewards package, right? Mm. Um, and and making sure that everybody understands what it is, right? Because so many times I think we get <laughs> into a, a, a cycle where uh, there's my direct deposit. Yeah, that was the same as it was. And that's yeah, yeah. what we consider is our um, remuneration from our organization. So reminding our, our employees of, you know, what we're doing on behalf of their benefits, uh, you know, 401ks, uh, what what kind of expense we've had for learning and development within, um, within their career. Um, you know, what have we been able to reimburse or avail um, or, or have them uh, avail themselves to that we've been able to provide. But looking at the whole list, of, you know, everything that it takes um, to have this employee here, reminding them of that investment could be something to not only attract, but then retain uh, our accounting professionals that work on balance, those professional development opportunities and programs um, so that they can continue to enhance their, their skills, stay up to date. Um, you know, whether it's certifications or workshops or conferences and that sort of thing. Um, and oh, you know, here's something that I think a lot of folks are looking for is a collaborative and inclusive culture. That goes back to leadership again, too, right? To cultivate something like that, to bring, you know, in the ideas that diversity and different perspectives matter. Uh, in our organizations, and I think then too widening the net to the the first pool of talent that might be out there. Um, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for our teams. It's a win-win for our individuals. It's a win-win for our organizations because that sort of behaviors that promotes innovation, and it 
promotes creativity, even within an accounting team, which sometimes you don't want to be too creative, right? Um, but but it allows for opportunities, you know, uh, with our accounting teams. And did I say strong leadership? If I said that already? Um, <laughs> if you haven't, again, please go ahead. <laughs> no, I think I just keep waving that into. Everything. No, not at all. It's important. Um, but but that strong leadership and communication, I'll be honest, effective leadership plays such a, a crucial role in developing a highly skilled workforce. It's um, clear communication, realistic goals. And then again, that regular feedback, you know, whether that's just the conversations that you're having with your people or performance evaluations, you know, more formal performance evaluations so they can help guide and support um, as they continue to work with your organization. I want to follow up on that is um, obviously there's a lot of discussion about a possible recession and a slowing down of the economy. And certainly your, 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 your earlier points about compensating people, that becomes a much tougher discussion uh-huh. in these environments. And especially in, in, in um, accounting and finance, which is not necessarily a revenue generator. You're not going to be like incentivizing saying we, the same as a Salesforce. So, um, how do you incentivize a workforce or an existing workforce in this environment when, when the resources become scarce? Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's critical that we can find some kind of creative and cost-effective ways to continue to encourage our people to perform and to perform plus, right? Mm. Um, and, and some of that, there are some ways to do things that really don't, don't cost a lot. Um, some of the non-financial recognition um, expressing appreciation, saying thank you for hard work and dedication, public acknowledgement, maybe an appreciation event. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money or any money you know, to pull the team together um, to just acknowledge things that have been going on within the organization. Handwritten note. Now that's cost the cost of a, a note card or a piece of paper, but um, a personalized thank you can go so far to continue to incentivize. It sounds so basic, right? Right. Um, but but it's amazing what something like that could do. And then that flexible work arrangement idea that we've already kicked around. Um, you know, get creative with that and how that can help your organization as well as your employees, especially if they're fighting times of you know higher costs and, and maybe if they don't have those commuting costs. Um, that could be a real benefit to um, to your organization. And this is the time um, in order because, you know, there may be just a, a general slowdown or uh, levels of activity within the, the business itself may be slowing down a little bit. What a wonderful opportunity to continue to develop people's skills and to provide some training opportunities. I can promise you what I see is that so many times those budgets are among some of the first to be slashed. But think about the investment that you're making in the future, right? Um, And there are tons of free resources out there for for people as well. Online courses, webinars, just internal knowledge sharing sessions, right? Uh, Creating opportunities like that to invest in the growth and development really says, I'm speaking into your... Uh, our commitment to your long-term success and um, is a very easy, creative way um, to uh, to hold on to your employees. We talked earlier about career pathing and development mm-hmm. opportunities. Even during a recession, I think it's really important that you uh, 
provide clarity on career paths and growth opportunities. Um, maybe this is time to kick off some of these programs that have always sounded like a great idea when you're sitting around the conference table, but maybe mentorship programs or allowing for internal job rotations um, or special projects that help employees to expand their skills and, and explore new ideas and, and areas of interest for them. And um, I think, too, when we're really looking to build that engagement, whether it's in recessionary times or not, giving employees a sense of ownership and autonomy in their work, I think, can also be uh, a creative way to retain employees, you know, provide them with opportunities to take on more responsibility, lead a project, uh, contribute to the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And especially if you are in talking about recessionary times and and things may have to be cut, things may need to be uh, removed from the budget, asking for some of their opinions right. um, into, into these decisions can can have everybody, number one, on the same page, but actually buying into whatever uh, the, the outcomes tend to be. These are great points. And I, I want to take a step back sort of as a wrap-up questions, take a full view of it. And we had a little bit of discussion at the beginning about, you know, seeing these, these things before, you know, the cyclical nature of the, you know, the economy, the job market. Um, but like, there has always, there was always, recently there's been a lot of discussion about, is this cyclical or is this a longer term shift? Do you think there's a talent, talent shortage debate is a long-term trend or do you think, you know, the dynamics were normalized and, and things will get to some sort of equilibrium or are we out of some sort of shift in the market? Well, I think we're definitely at a shift, but I don't think, it's funny, I've been in the work world for a very long time, but I think that phrase war for talent, you know what I'm talking about, war for talent, it's been as, uh, around as long as I have, right. I think. Um, and, and it just morphs, it changes a little bit um, because the different factors that influence it, right? It's demographic changes, it's technological advances, it's economic conditions, it's governmental decisions. And so... Um, I think as long as we have all these pressures on the workforce, we're going to have a war for talent, maybe not on a grand global scale, but there will always be somebody who can't find what it is that they need, right? Um, you know, when you think about technology advancing, data science, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, those kinds of roles, I expect that, that the need or the, the war for for talented individuals in, in those spaces is probably going to remain high. And I think too, in the in the near term, some of the demographic shifts that we've seen and the aging workforce, right? Yeah. In some regions, it's more palpable than others. But think about the COVID migrations and how that changed our demographics in a lot of marketplaces. Those sorts of things could contribute to talent shortages in specific sectors and depending on how long people stay where they are and those sorts of things could say how long this that this might last for us but because of so many things that can influence the dynamics of the the workforce of the job market over time I, I think if if you want to try to stay ahead of that and and, and get ahead of it um, you can take some proactive measures investing in the education and skills development of your people, hmm. promoting diversity and inclusion, staying nimble. Those are some of the ways that you can adapt to the market needs because, again, to my point, there may always be a war for talent in some sector or another. Um, 
I think it's a long-term play. Great. Those are my questions. Really appreciate your time. And, and this is especially relevant for our members who are dealing with a lot of the uh, relevant issues you've been discussing. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure.